the customer now has options. Once again, we were spoiled for a long time. I, we bought a storage facility. They had a 200 person waiting list for one size. They literally wouldn't even put you on a list. They said, no, I don't want your information. I don't because I'm never even going to get to you. Those days are gone. Every customer that you miss, you don't know when the next one's going to come. I know on my board, I've got our four pillars of the storage business that we focus on in just day-to-day -day operations and running facilities. If you want, we can dive into that. Let's do it. Let's dive do there. it. Welcome everybody to Self Storage Income. And we're doing a unique episode today. So we actually have a two-part episode. So maybe it's two episodes, but we're doing it all in one. Uh, and the reason be is because we're, we're, we're trying to look at running storage facilities in its entirety. And what that means is the first part, we have the individual asset itself. And then the next part, we have the business of storage. And a lot of times we don't look at it this way. A lot of times we talk about them interchangeably. Um, and I don't think that's correct because what you have the storage facility itself, then the managing of it day to day, everything that goes on, on the, uh, within that asset, to perform what it needs to do every single day. But then you have all the back room stuff. So a lot of people, even if they just own one facility, um, it may seem like it's all one, but it's not. There are two totally different parts. And so our companies are divided up obviously that way. We own a storage facility, you own one, two, three, four. We have operations that are running all of them. So we're gonna go through the operations of storage and storage facilities, but in its entirety. So from front to back end. And obviously we're gonna start with the storage facility itself. And then we can also see how that, and then for part two, we'll talk about the business of storage and how those things uh, intersect. Sound good, Connor? I love it, man. I think it's a phenomenal idea because so often we're talking about finding deals. We're talking about analyzing. We're talking about analyzing markets. We're talking all these things that have to do on the front end of identifying an opportunity and being able to close on it. But what do you do after that? Right. Yeah. So yeah, what are the 100%. actual day in, day out, year after year? What's the execution look like on that asset to really actually achieve the underwriting metrics that you set forth from the beginning. Um, it's kind of like the whole tiger by the tail thing, right? You yep. got it, now what? Now what? So really excited to dive into this. Um, I know on my board, I've got our four pillars of the storage business that we focus on in just day-to-day -day operations and running facilities. If you want, we can dive into that. Let's do it. Let's dive do there. it. Perfect. So four pillars right now, and we can dive into these more specifically and in depth. But uh, first and foremost, we have management. So this is the day to day, the sales, the management of your teams, the people aspect of all of it. That is number one. Number two is the customer acquisition, marketing, advertising, revenue management. All of those things are tied into one pillar there as well. Next pillar, number three, is maintenance. Obviously, you got to keep up the curb appeal of your facilities. You got to be making sure you're getting the uh, the maintenance done, the routine, ongoing maintenance aspects, so you don't have any undue maintenance costs coming up. Um, taking care of your facility there, and uh, number four here is the core pieces of it. So, this is going to be more of the back end, which we're going to dive into, but this is the legal, the accounting, and the HR aspect of running the day-to-day, -day, but that have massive implications as far as running your facility day-to-day, -day, whether it's auctions, evictions, hiring people, firing people, 
um, making sure that uh, all the money's going where it needs to be, uh, that you're getting your payments done uh, for your debt service, all of those things. So there's all kinds of aspects that go into uh, each and every portion of it. But uh, I mean, obviously, running a facility is no, no small feat. I, I think it's hilarious every time I hear that storage is just this passive set it, forget it type asset class. And um, it is so far from that. Um, come and spend a day, yeah. one day yeah. with our operations team and see how passive it really is. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> it's it, we put crazy. a lot of work and time into this. And it's, you know, it, it's vital that you understand, especially in today's environment, because today's environment, you know, we just had it good for so long. Now, people in general, we don't. We have vacancies, right? You're not just getting, like, there's a difference between given rate increases and earned, right? So you're, you, when you're given a rate increase, that's the market goes up and it just gave it to you. So all the market rents go up, right? Earned means the market rents aren't going up and you've got to get your revenue up. And so why don't we take it, let's zero down, let's go small here and really focus on day-to-day. Uh, -day. So in that storage facility, it's in the morning, let's say you will we'll use an example of have a manager and don't have a manager. Mm -hmm. Day one, what happens? You need to open up for customers. What's that look like? Mm -hmm. No, great question. And that's another really good point that you brought up is when you're looking at these facilities and analyzing them, how you're going to run it is going to be really, really important. Yes. Are you going to have somebody on site? Are you going to run it remote? What does that look like? And how are you going to set those systems up to manage it? Yeah. So for us, we staff our facilities currently. Yep. Um, we've we found that our facilities perform the best with staffing currently in a lot of the markets that we're in. And um, we'll actively pursue and look at implementation of other technologies and things like that in the future. But um, we staff our facilities uh, day to day. What we have is a checklist for that facility manager, we call them storage specialists at our company. They come in and they have this daily checklist. So what they do is they come in, they open the office, they start going through this checklist and they start doing their lock audits. They start, so that's them going out to the facility. They have their rent rolls, their delinquency sheets. They're looking at all the different metrics of the facility as they're going through doing their lock audits, making sure that everybody's in the correct locations that we don't have locks missing on units that somebody might be renting, don't have our locks on units that somebody else might be renting, uh, making sure the facility is safe, secure, fences are good, in good condition, the maintenance is good. We don't have anybody that's just left their stuff in a drive aisle somewhere, which we've ran into. Uh, we don't have people living in units, all of that. So when you're, you're whether you're remote or not, you're going to have someone going through your facility looking and observing these things periodically, or you should yep. at least. Yeah. And um, it's really, really important for them to be analyzing all of the administrative functions of that facility in addition to more of that, again, maintenance curb appeal aspect. Are, are there any damages to the gate, to the buildings? Is everything operating correctly? The keypads, uh, the access points of the facility, um, anything abnormal, making note of that. And then also you having processes for them to follow if they do recognize something that's out of the ordinary. So perfect example recently was uh, was our offline units. So at the facilities, we have offline units where there may be some reason that they're offline. Mostly it's due to maintenance issues, right? There's a leak or something with the door or the door's off track or whatever it is, right? And um, these, uh, these offline units, a lot of times, 
and we actually double up on our, our audits. So we have a regional individual that goes through and audits in addition to the daily audits being done um, by the employee there every single day at the facility. Again, because things you missed, right? You need an extra set of eyes. And unfortunately, there's a lot of times where people just don't do their jobs. Um, and we have to be able to identify those as well. Um, so uh, those offline units, what we're doing now is starting to do a uh, inspection of those offline units to one confirm whatever's going on with that unit is actually what's going on having a s extra set of eyes and then also ensuring that we don't have anybody that's occupying that unit with whether they've moved stuff in or somebody just said hey you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna just uh and we've had this happen i'm gonna take down this wall panel of this unit get into the next unit next to me and steal stuff or throw a bunch of crap in there or whatever it is. Um, so going through, again, auditing, auditing the facility is absolutely huge. One of the top priorities of our on-site staff. Next, another and, huge- And two for us, especially daily. I mean, you got to remember we've got 600 to 1,000 units. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, missing this stuff over time has big implications. Huge. So, you know, it's if you have 50 units, you know, okay, maybe once a week, you know, but um, especially when you get into bigger facilities, uh, you know, once every couple of weeks or once a week, that, that doesn't, that doesn't work because mm -hmm. those problems are lingering. They don't get taken care of. And uh, it's obviously easy to miss things when you're dealing with 800 doors. Exactly right. Well, and then again, like you said, at scale, you compound that over, yeah. you know, 10,000. Exactly. <laughs> uh -huh. And there is a lot that could go wrong with those units. And so it's absolutely imperative that, and even if you don't have that many, build the foundations today right now yeah, to make sure that oh, you're extracting absolutely. as much value absolutely. as possible. If you're doing it, and I talk about this a lot, like if when you build out the, everything that you do, you need to document. So mm -hmm. if you're doing it yourself, you should be documenting that. Why? Because one day you might not want to do it yourself and you need to understand all the things that you need to do and how to transfer that information over. And what we did is we not only documented, but we also put it into places and locations, even though we were doing it. And that created policies and procedures in the future that allowed us to scale because we knew what needed to happen and what to do. So even if you don't have a manager, even if it's just you by yourself, what are you doing every day? What are your checklists? What are the results you're trying to get? Document, create policies and procedures for yourself be professional, right? Don't treat this as just this, ah, this is thing I got on the side, right? right? You're going to leave money on the table. Um, you can get in trouble. Be professional about it, even if it's just yourself. The same standards that you would have if you had a, uh, you know, a hire in there. Keep it for you and document these things uh, that way you can grow and you'll also learn. You'll pick things up. You'll figure out opportunities, what you're missing. So it, it's, that's an important point. Yeah, no, really, really good points there for sure. Again, those those audits, I mean, absolutely imperative. Because, um, I mean, just for example, you, you're going through and confirming what units were overlocked. And are they currently overlocked? Did someone pay and they need to have the lock taken off their unit if you aren't running a system like Noki or something, right? You're using manual locks. So all really, really important for the overall customer experience and user experience. Really important for your top line, bottom line, really important for just through and through your overall experience in running a professionally managed storage facility. Um, next up outside of audits, uh, again, have those processes, full audits of everything every day. Um, 
Next up, we have uh, lead follow-up. Lead follow-up is another really, really important metric uh, that we track and follow. Uh, we have, if somebody's called into the facility or they've reserved something online, we want someone immediately following up with them as soon as humanly possible. So not only is that a checklist item, but that's something that's top of mind for those individuals, both in the facility. Uh, so obviously we have our on-site staff, and then we have staff here in the home office, the corporate headquarters where we're located now, that uh, they, that's their primary roles. They focus on lead follow-up to make sure that every single lead coming in is being followed up, being connected, and getting into a unit or simply being put in our lead list and managed that way for however long. Leads cost money. Exactly. And you may not even be doing advertising, but guys, we're, we're in an environment where you need to compete. You have to. And the customer now has options. Once again, we were spoiled for a long time. Like lead management literally didn't matter for years because there was, we, I, we bought a storage facility. They had a 200 person waiting list for one size. That does not exist today. They literally wouldn't even put you on a list. They said, no, I don't want your information. I don't, because I'm never even going to get to you. So, um, those days are gone. Right. And every customer that you miss, you can rotate out a customer and then you have vacancy and you may, you've missed it, you don't know when the next one's gonna come. And so in markets, and if you're in smaller markets, guys, this is really important. You do not have the volume. And storage works like this, everybody. I need a storage unit. All right, I'm calling Bob. Bob's not available. Within one minute, I've already called Steve. Steve's available and I chose him. Bob calls me back five minutes later. Wow, I already chose another storage facility because I needed it. Mm -hmm. So if you are not, on top of that, you will not be getting customers. If you are paying for ad spend to get customers, ad spend is expensive. If you are not 100% answering the calls immediately and on that, you're flushing money down the toilet. Mm -hmm. It's probably the most important thing when it comes to uh, occupancy and filling up a facility is not how much money you're spending, not even your advertising tactics and strategies, but simply, if you are following up and answering that phone and getting people in the door when they come to you, I would rather have 10 people come to me and us get 100% of them than 100 people and get 1%. And you'd be shocked that I think that's, that's probably actually pretty accurate. I think a lot of locations maybe get 1% of the people that either drive by, call, go online. They don't know how to capture them. They don't know how to get them. And so then they spend more and more and more trying to get when people to come in when really they just needed to be better at capturing, closing, and Johnny on the spot. That's I love that you just said better because that's been one of our mottos lately for us internally here is is do more and do better and then try to get new, right? Or go for the new or create or implement the new. So just do more of what you're doing that you yep. know works and do better at it. So yes. perfect example is exactly like what you said, that lead follow-up, how important it is. And again, that competitive aspect of where we're at nowadays. And and obviously competition, especially in the online world of advertising, whether it's Google or some of these third-party referral sources, they're, I mean, the cost and the multiple that you have to achieve there and, and, and the cost to you is, is gone up dramatically. Yeah. Um, and if you're missing those, you're not only missing out on the lifetime value of those individuals, you're obviously out the money that it costs for you to even get the lead in the first place. So 
huge, huge cost there. So make sure you're doing that. Um, lead follow-up, big, big deal. The next thing is obviously, and there's a lot of ways, whether you have individuals on site or you have a call center or whatever that is, there's ways to automate this. But regardless, make sure you're doing it. Your delinquency management and follow-up calls. So uh, make sure you have somebody calling and reminding people, hey, first is coming up. You got a payment coming up. I notice your credit cards, you know, expiring this next month. Let's get a new card on file for you. So you don't miss a payment. You don't get locked out. Make sure you get you taken care of. Um, or somebody that's late a few days. Hey, just saw, I just want to give you a reminder. Uh, today, you know, the other day was the, the first. Saw that your payment didn't come through. Let me just grab that for you real quick. Let me get you set up on auto pay if they're not. Yeah. Those interactions, building connections with your tenants, then also trying to reduce the amount of delinquency at your facilities is a huge low-hanging fruit yes. that you can just easily execute on by just picking up a phone and calling someone. Well, and it is always shocking to me the um, the fear or the re resistance to managers as well. Everybody, everybody in inside the corporate office or not to, to pick up the phone and call somebody because they don't want to bug them. I don't want to bother them. And I'm like, do you think that they would rather get a call saying, hey, you haven't paid, it's not to pay, or receive a bill because they got a late payment? Mm -hmm. You're not bugging them. You're helping them. Yeah, you're, you're doing them a service. favor. You're, this is customer service stuff. But we view it differently when we've got to call somebody and ask for money. And that is a huge sticking point for most people. They don't, that side of customer service, customer service is, I'm just helping somebody if they come and ask me a question. But that's not, customer service isn't receiving. It's also reaching out. Um, and so stay on top of it yourself. If you're not wanting to do it because you feel like you're bugging, you're not, right? You're helping and you're performing customer service. And if it's your people, put in metrics to see. We had this many people, did, how many of them did you call mm -hmm. before the first of the month? How many people that went delinquents received a call right the following day after we found out the payment didn't go through right if it's a problem because i can't get a hold of the person and they didn't come in to pay well then you should be having them go on auto pay mm -hmm. and these little things will make your life better tenants you train right so when people come in they need to be trained in the way that you operate and work and the better you are at doing that the less problems you have mm-hmm and don't be afraid to get the the kickback that you receive. And again, if you have employees on site, make sure you're coaching them and letting them know that you probably will have a few tenants that don't like the way you interact or don't like a professionally managed storage facility. And that's okay. It's okay. Um, they're not your tenant. Yeah. Right? So yep. go after those quality tenants. Again, it's going to make your life and that of your employees, if you have them, so much more streamlined, so much easier. You're going to make more money. You're going to have a lot more fun. And it's not going to be a total nightmare dealing with problem tenants month after month after month. Yep. Again, you're never going to get away from that. But why but, give yourself more headaches yeah. than you need? Don't. If you have someone that doesn't want to pay and is annoyed you're calling for money, um, yeah, get them out. Like, if to pay their bills, yeah. and they don't, they feel entitled enough to the fact that mm -hmm. it is a discomfort, a disservice to them and you shouldn't be having them pay their bills, mm -hmm. um, just get rid of them. Yep. Say, hey, this isn't working. We're done. We're gone. Yep. Um, you don't want it. You don't want those kind of tenants. These are tenants that usually end up causing problems. They destroy things. They sue. They do all that kind of stuff because they feel so entitled 
that you even asking to pay for the service or to have them pay for the service that they're getting mm -hmm. um, is not right. Which too, by the way, that, that happens all the time. People are upset. They're like, well, I only missed it by three days. And we're like, yeah, but we told you two weeks prior before. Mm -hmm. it, like, you know, and so the, this is a an issue of tenant base, like you're saying. And most of the facilities that we buy are full of those kind of tenants. And we want them to go to other customers. If you, if there's a facility in town that doesn't care if you pay or not, please, you need to go to them because that is not us. And you don't want to gain that reputation or be known for that. It will destroy your business. Mm -hmm. No, it really will. And the, the other thing like AJ's talking about here that's really key is making sure that your employees are trained and armed with the understanding of that whole entire aspect of paying someone's bills, right? Because like you pointed out, a lot of people are just hesitant. They're, they're afraid to make those phone calls. They don't want to do the, it's, it's cold calling or bugging someone. Uh, for whatever reason, it's something that we've always ran into and something we've got to constantly coach and train our employees on. And um, I, I just recently had a, had a meeting and one of our employees uh, is, is not going to be with us much longer, but um, they had responded during a meeting about reminder calls because again we're, we're talking about this all the time yeah. every single meeting we have every opportunity do your reminder calls and again we track these right so real quick on a side note um we just simply compare outbound calls that were made at the facility with how many delinquencies there are for each you know giving given period of time that we're measuring if they're nowhere near where the amount of delinquencies are in their outbound calls clearly they're not making their calls making like simple as that um but we had an employee that um uh, we were talking about this and just said, Hey, you know, we're just, these people are just are struggling. They can't, they can't pay their bills, you know? And like, it was this, this tough thing for them to do. Right. Again, like AJ's talking about. And the simple response to that is, you know, I get, yeah, sometimes things happen, but the fact of the matter is I'm responsible for my financial and contractual obligations. AJ is everybody listening to this. Everyone is responsible for their own situations in where they're at and you pay your bills or you don't. What's up, everybody? The number one question that I get from you guys and others, is this a good deal? Meaning, should I pay for this price? Is there opportunity and what is the risk? Well, we actually do that for you and we can actually show you and tell you through feasibility studies. We underwrite the asset and the market just exactly how we look at the deal. And we provide you with a full report, including financials, competitions, and what's happening in the marketplace. We look at opportunity and risks. These are studies that you'll even need when you go to banks to get money. If you're looking at a storage facility and you want us to analyze that market and deal, follow the link in the show notes to get your feasibility study today. One of the best ways to optimize management and to increase the value of your self-storage facility is through property management. And that means you're going to need really good property management software. That's where Tenant Inc. comes in. These guys have a huge amount of tools at your fingertips that you guys can deploy to extract the maximum amount of value and deploy the maximum amount of value at your storage facility. Again, this is Tenant Inc. Be sure to check them out. They're all things property management. It's truly your one-stop shop. Check them out. Link is in the show notes. Yeah, This is something that um, we ran into a lot, especially at the first. There was almost a culture that it wasn't important in storage that you paid your bills. And I think this, this too, this was largely generated because storage was a landhold and not a lot of people took it very seriously. And two, the cost basis may have been 
you know, it, it just wasn't like a mainstream thing and it didn't cost very much. It, it co was outrageously cheap to operate and it was so laissez faire and people were like, they would get upset that you would make them pay their bill and then managers would get upset that you wouldn't waive people's bills. Like, why are you making them pay? And I had to have this discussion with several managers and, and I told them, I said, you think it's not fair to charge a late fee, right? But I, but for me, I'm like, for this one person, what it's not fair to is the 599 people that paid on time so they right, wouldn't right. get a late fee. So in order to do what you think is fair to one person, you're screwing 599 other people because they did what was, that's what's not fair. Mm -hmm. That they paid on time and they did the contractual agreement and we enforced it because they enforced it. Right. We had a, a manager that called us up and was like, you know, hey, this lady, her mom died, she couldn't get paid. And you know, it was one of the millions of things that happened in life, uh, which I'm not being unsympathetic to. And, you know, I've had plenty of times where we had crisis and I didn't pay our bills and we paid late fees and everything else like that. It, you know, but at the end of the day, uh, we had this whole conversation. Anyways, it, it went on. Two months later, you know, she called us up again and she's like, hey, the tenant's mom died. And I was like, oh, the same one that died two months ago? And she was like, yep, the same mom that died two months ago. And, you know, it's a funny story. We laugh about it now. Um, but the reality is that we try to make is we can't be making offbeat uh, exceptions mm -hmm. to everybody for everything because first of all, that's complete discrimination. Right. What in the world are you doing with the other tenants that too may have way harder of a time? And then what do I do? Say, send me a death certificate? Like show me proof that she, like what? We shouldn't be, no, this isn't our world. This is in our realm. I don't want you talking to customers about it. This is a business. We have to treat it like one. And two, we said, this is really easy. Tell her that when the power company doesn't make her pay, when she doesn't have to pay her rent for her house, and when she can get groceries without paying, we will also match all of them and we won't make her pay too. <laughs> to which the manager says, well, that'll never happen. They have to pay those things. Weird. Yep. Like, exactly and guess what? Right. They will. Yep. So it's not that once again, we're trying to be mean. It's this is just the reality of the situation and it blows my mind and it's totally opposite. We're being fair and even to everyone. And two, you don't need to rent a storage unit. That is not a need in life, everyone. This isn't housing, right? This is why I didn't ever want to own apartment buildings was because I knew I couldn't kick a mother, a single mother and her kids out. I couldn't do it. I would just have an apartment full of people that were not paying because I couldn't do it. That doesn't mean it's wrong to do it. I just know that that was where I just was like, eh, I'm not going to be good at this. So I didn't do it right now. Storage though, this is not even a necessity. You should have no qualms. You guys of kicking somebody out and making them take their junk off the floor and get it out. Mm -hmm. If you do, you should not be owning real estate mm -hmm. at no, all. That's, there's a really, really good point. But to your point, AJ, yeah, it, it really is about training your tenants. It's about training yeah. your staff painting that auto picture pay for them. solve the problem yes. immediately auto pay exactly no late right. payments and like, another thing make it easier for them yes dude no make it easier for them easier for you easier for your uh your employees everybody yes um it, another thing that you had mentioned is that same individual came back right yeah. 
Um, oddly enough, 90% of the time, those same people are the same problem tenants over, over and, and over, over again. And over again. And again, why give yourself more headaches than what's needed? Weed those individuals out if they want to go down to someone's storage, whoever down the street that, again, is okay with people not paying their bills or whatever that is. Fine. Great. Like, have go them for it. jump out, go yeah. do that. You get those quality tenants in that pay their bills on time, that are on auto pay, all those different aspects, going to make life a million, billion, trillion times easier. And, so, and two, we, you, you're running a business that needs reinvestment. And this is short-term thinking versus long-term thinking. Because guess what? The place that isn't, doesn't give late fees and isn't hard-nosed about it, you always know who they are. You want to know why? Because they have a crappy facility. Always. I've never seen a nice facility with great security, with they're protecting their, their customer stuff, they're taking care of everything, it's a safe place, there's not break-ins, where they were just laissez-faire about who paid and whether people were paying a rent. Because they need the money to reinvest into the asset, to protect other tenants, to do what their primary objective is to do. And I think we get lost in those things um, and you got to remind your people. Now, you may be saying, well, die, AJ, this doesn't, right? But wait, if you don't have employees, because you need to help them understand this, because they won't. Mm -hmm. Because no, they they're the yeah, front sure. lines, everybody. Yep. So when you raise rents and you have an employee, they're the ones that get the call, not you. Now, I've been in the position where I've gotten the calls. They're not fun. And you need to understand that from an employee's perspective, and you need to be sympathetic of it. That doesn't mean you don't tell them not to do it, but you need to understand, yeah, I get it. It's hard. That's okay. This is what we got to do, yeah. right? This is just part of the job, exactly. right? We have to do it, and we're doing it for the rest of our tenants, our customers, the city we live in, the place that we are, the community we're a part of. You want to keep good, clean assets because when that stuff piles up, the cost can be too big for you to overcome, and then you have to sell it. A lot of the properties we buy is because deferred maintenance went on for so long. They had too many people that weren't paying bills on and on. And the problem got so big, they didn't have the money to take care of it. And they didn't know what to do. So they're like, I could go out and get big loans, but then I got to make all these people pay. Like, mm -hmm. And so guess what? They sell it to us. We walk in day one, we fix everything. Then we kick out those tenants, make them pay. And now all of a sudden we have a great thriving asset that is beautiful, it's protecting everybody's stuff. Um, so don't get caught in those problems where you are not only with the customers, but also maintenance. And I know you're gonna talk about that one so we can get yeah. on that. No, we'll hit on that a little bit. Um, something you mentioned that I really like was the long-term versus short-term and how a lot of people are seeing these things in the short-term. And, and that's not only tenants, but the employees again, like yes. making sure that they know the long-term objective of that facility and why you're doing the things that you're doing. Uh, because we've had those conversations with some of our, our employees where they say, you know, hey, you know, this is, you know, another rate increase and this person's been here for, you know, a year or whatever. It's like, well, yeah. The other side of that is like they've gotten these rate increases, but, you know, we've only done this, this and this to improve it. Like we haven't done anything huge or we haven't done this or that um, to improve the asset. Right. And looking at the long term, it's like, yeah, we can't just go out and raise. No. 20 people's rent. We need years worth of exactly. rent to put into yep. um, our reserve accounts. We are constantly building reserve accounts on all the assets, right? If if we wanted to do that and take care of it that day, we'd have to double everybody's rents or triple or quadruple it to be able to afford it, right? So it's, you know, this is planning, like you said, and preparing. Another thing too that I want to touch on, um, because 
we talked about this, but we didn't hit it. You, you mentioned lock checks. Now I'm telling you this right now because I see this, I've seen this, I, it's shocking how much I see this. People buy a storage facility, they have a manager in it and the manager just takes care of everything. Now you need to be showing up and doing a lock check. The reason being is you will be surprised how many units that you do not have rented on your rent rent roll that are paying money are actually locked and they have tenants in there. Now, you may think they're freeloaders, but the tenants, to them, they're paying. They're just paying in cash to the managers. Mm -hmm. um, this is so common. I don't know why people don't get this and I think they just blindly either trust, right? But I would say in probably 40% of our facilities, when we took them over, we found multitude of tenants that were paying, air quotations, the manager directly paying in cash and they were not on the rent roll and they weren't getting paid. Mm -hmm. This is so common, you guys. And a lot of people refuse to believe it. In fact, one of the facilities that we did, the manager, we were buying it, almost kicked us out of the asset because we were asking questions about cash payments, everything else like that. She was so upset, she called the owners and told them not to sell to us because we were asking questions about discrepancy in the rent rolls, everything else. We ended up buying it. They actually promoted that manager and moved him down the street. And um, it's- Have fun with that. Yeah, you guys gotta have checks and balances, right? Mm. It keeps everybody on the same page. So if you do have a manager and they're doing that, what Connor just talked about, you need to also be doing it. You need to go and check. Make sure everybody knows we're all being very clear and upfront on what's going on. Exactly. No, really good points. And to that point too, I mean, when you're acquiring an asset, make sure that if you have access to certain units that you're looking in those units. Yes. If, if there's offline units or unrentable ones or whatever that is, company units, get access to those units and look at every single one of them. Every single one. And uh, and make sure that there's not walls missing. Make sure that yep. they've got the partitions and all those different things. That's, that's something that, that we've seen a multitude of times when we walk into a facility that on a rent roll, it says that these two units are totally separate units. And lo and behold, there's like six of them attached together. Also, one of the craziest stories I ever heard, make sure you look at who's renting it. We, um, we <laughs> a guy sold his facility and the guy that bought it, he sold it and it was like 90% occupied. Well, turns out that the owner that had sold it was renting out like 25% of the units. So perfect. He was the renter and then obviously <laughs> he sold it and then he stopped renting it and then they had 25% vacancy. Um, and that obviously ended up in a lawsuit. We never heard where it went. But that was la <laughs> I was like, wow, that's a, you know what? That's interesting. So yeah, make sure you guys work. just check and, and for discrepancies on these lock checks and unit checks. A lot of the facilities that I know, especially our listeners are buying, um, a lot of these are done on paper. And these are, I know you guys are looking for small units or even mid-sized units that are really ran poorly. And, you know, a lot of people where they look at that and say, oh, that's horrible. I know a lot of my listeners, including me, look at it as an opportunity. Um, now, this can be very hard, especially when it comes to financing, right? And bank notes and things like that. I also tell you when it's done like that, the discrepancies are gonna be wild. So you need to be ready to be full on auditing those things. And it's not enough to do like a lock check and it, no, you need to figure out who that person is, right? And really dive deep into the records of that asset. 
um, and understand, was this the owner? Or was this the manager? Like who's operating this? Um, because it's going to be a mess and it will never be correct. Mm -hmm. I've never seen it. If it was done on paper, I've never seen it be correct ever. The reason why this is important, because if you go to get financing and you start to get discrepancies, the bank is going to put it on halt. They're going to say, whoa, hold on here. We have we're not understanding what's going on. And if the bank or financial institutions, maybe a large investors catches those problems and you didn't, that's bad mm -hmm. because then they don't trust your information and numbers. So be very, very careful. No, I love that, man. Love that. Moving on to customer acquisition, marketing, revenue management. One of those things that we constantly manage is the, the rates, right? So you need to be constantly looking at your competition, looking at actual comparables, not just everybody in the market, like who is actually comparable to your asset, to your operations, and verifying that your street rates and in-place rates, all those aspects are in line with what the market is doing. Um, our real competitors. That's, yes, what I, that's what I talk about. Real competitors. About. I say, who are our real competitors? Yep. Uh, very, very important. Um, if you go buy a small rundown facility and look at extra space and see that they're charging $200 for a 10 by 10 for their brand new class A asset, and that's what you're doing <laughs> comps on, you will be sorely disappointed. Yeah, not going to happen, especially again, uh, in this time frame that we're in here with as competitive as things have gotten. Again, manage these things constantly. We're updating all of our street rates twice a week on all of our platforms, making sure for every single facility, making sure that as rates are adjusting in these markets, again, everyone's playing the game, that we are staying and remaining competitive to again, drive that occupancy, because you can't drive revenue without having occupancy, right? So we've got to get the occupancy, then be able to drive revenue. And again, um, I know AJ and us have talked a lot about the, the difference in that separation of street rates and in-place rates. Again, those in-place rates, you can continue to drive those as much as possible, but the street rates you have to remain competitive on. And there's just simply, not that I'm aware of any way around remaining competitive to your true real competitors in a market. Um, it's, it's funny, we were on a call recently and somebody was talking about how they're, they're in a market with a lot of REITs and they just, they can't keep up. They're, they're just saying, I don't know how we're gonna, you know, what the time horizon is on how long we can keep street rates this low and have our, you know, 10% churn a month or whatever we're seeing. And um, they were trying to think of a way to change their messaging or try to, in a way, figure out how they could just up their street rates and maintain a higher level of street rates and not play the game that the REITs were playing. Yeah. Good luck, man. Good luck. They're setting the market and yeah. you need to be flexible and understanding of that. I think, um, I know people make this mistake because I make this mistake. And I think that, oh, I'm gonna do something vastly different or I'm gonna teach it or I'm gonna, people are gonna understand. And then I try to do something that the market's not doing and, and you learn really quick, the customer does not care. Mm -hmm. And we had this, we had, so um, we were doing, um, in one of our markets, rental rates had dropped by 60%. And we had customers and I was there visiting and I talked to one of the customers and I said, well, yeah, they're 60% less, but we are actually, they're, they're just gonna jack up your rate, like three exit in three months, right? Where I go, we're not gonna do that. So we may be a little higher today, but it's you're not gonna get this huge, massive thing. Cause I thought that's what people actually want. And they, Turned out they were like, yeah, but it's still lower for there. And two, I'm probably not going to be there in three months mm -hmm. because everybody thinks they won't be there. Right. They all, all they all always stay. That's but it turned out the customer didn't care, even though I thought 
that they would. We're, we were doing the right thing and they're playing these games. And even when they knew, they would still rather take the opportunity at getting a shorter term, better deal, even if in the longer term, it meant they got screwed. And uh, that I learned the hard way with those huge rate drops and everything is that the market is the market. Mm -hmm. And now customers, you see it in the news, right? You see it everywhere. Customers are complaining about it. They're like, oh, these people jacked up my rates, everything else. And you're going, well, did you choose to go to a higher one or did you take, take the cheapest one in the market? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, when they're 3X off, 60% below the market, did you think they weren't going to triple your rates? Yeah. But that seems logical because we own the asset, we know the games. Mm -hmm. Customers don't think like that, they don't care. They're gonna take the best option yep. um, and then they're gonna stay in there for two years and then they're gonna be mad because what was supposed to be a $50 rate is now 200. Mm -hmm. And that's even more than the highest in the market was six months prior. But the point being is everybody, that's the game. Right. And the customers are going to play it to the best of their ability. Mm -hmm. So you trying to fight it, it's, that's not a winning strategy because it's your customers that are dictating it. Oh, exactly right, exactly right. No, and, and that whole perception of, oh, I'm only gonna be here for a month or two months or three months. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, pay, I'll pay the 50 bucks for this unit instead of the, the 100 down the street or whatever. And, you know, two years later, they still have their stuff in their unit yep. and they're paying 300 bucks. Exactly. Right? Um, so it's, it's a really good point there. Um, the This is kind of obviously a lot of the rate revenue management, competitor tracking, some of those things can be more on the back end of running the business. However, if you're running the business or you have somebody on site running the business, make sure that they're aware of the competitors in the market, what their rates are, and make sure that those individuals that you have on site also know and understand what their most vacant unit types are, what their most their, their highest occupancy units are, so that they can guide prospects in that sales process and that funnel to the correct unit that you want them to be in. So if you have somebody, if you have a ton of 10 by 15s, I mean, right now we've got a facility with a bunch of 10 by 15s we need to lease up. Everybody, the manager on site knows, anybody comes in looking for a 10 by 10, they're getting a 10 by 15. Yep. Like that's all there is to it. So again, train, equip. Um, Moving on to maintenance. That's another huge, huge piece of this puzzle. So um, right now what we do, obviously we have the daily audits going on with our facility staff there that are staffing the facility day in, day out, week after week. Um, but we also have our regionals that are going through once every month and doing a full audit um, on a, it's, it's, it's called Fast Field, the, the uh, app that we use. And it's a survey technology where you can take notes and photos and all that stuff and shoot out a PDF. So we have our regionals doing this once a month. They go to the facilities and audit every single week, however. So they have this regional day. And this, so this is the business of storage we're talking about here is how we manage that day-to-day -day stuff. Yes. And so the uh, operations that we utilize to figure out and to work, but this is back end, the man, not on the manager's front. Mm -hmm, exactly. Yep. So we've got the manager up front really looking at the day to day. It's, did somebody hit a gate? Does the fence look good? Are the buildings good? Um, are all the doors on track? All those different aspects um, are, you know, the temperature control units within the range they need to be, all those kinds of things. Um, but then we have, you know, trust but verify, right? We've got our regionals going through trusting but verifying all those things, submitting the reports to us. 
We go through as a corporate office, we analyze every single one of those reports at every single facility. Uh, us and our maintenance team go through and look at those reports and say, that facility is doing great or here are the areas that need to improve. If areas need to improve, we immediately set up a meeting with the staff on site and say, here are the things that we need to see change. You have 14 days, we're gonna meet again on this date and these things need to be done by that time. Um, and uh, we consistently consistently manage all the maintenance there uh, through that process. We also do a lot of behind the scenes, obviously here in the corporate office with the maintenance um, and just all of the ongoing maintenance that has to be done at the facilities, whether it's you know maintaining HVAC systems, again, focusing on some of these huge pieces of the facility that can make or break a facility, roofing, HVACs, asphalt. Um, yeah, and there's like, you know, there's continual things at your site and then there are one-time things or big things now mm -hmm. it's important that you delineate these things because some things will go to insurance right but then other things it's just routine you need to reseal every three years right around depending some may be a year earlier or some may be later but three years right mm -hmm. so you you know you need to have reserves for those things um bollards are not only your best friend they are your lifesaver because people believe that their car is a bumper car i don't get it they go into a storage unit and they just hit everything <laughs> like i mean your gates will be hit yep they're going to be hit and they will break mm -hmm. um if you have chains on the gates if they're not if they're on a track and they're and they're chained to open they they get pulled open and they get pushed shut by that chain if you are in snowy places, that chain will come off the hook. They will also break if it gets too cold. Um, you need to be ready for that. Now, uh, you also have to be very careful with these things because people get trapped inside units or inside storage facilities. And if you do not have a response team, that is a very, very scary, dangerous thing to uh, uh, be in because those tenants will lose their mind. Um, obviously, they're terrified. And so they're in after hours, all of a sudden they literally can't get out of the facility. We had a climate controlled facility and somebody drove through the hallway and out sliding doors. I was just thinking about that. Blew yeah. them right off. Um, so you, you need to make sure that you are working with maintenance on the things where you just know these things will be hit. Right. Bollards prevention is the name of the game. Um, wear and tear units, siding, roofs, on and on and on the just routine this is never ending your your sightings your roofs your gates right your climate controlled your like connor was saying like hvacs doors entrance pest, exits, control. pest control you've got um you know all of these things that are just routine never ending yep. so you need to be landscaping always you know those are really short term and that's a great point connor you got landscaping and like pest control stuff that this is you know a lot this is mm -hmm. you know landscaping's all the time and then pest control a month and these are big issues because the value proposition right if that stuff looks bad so I, a lot of people often mistake that the value of it is the unit no, the value presentation happens on the website or in the office. Two locations. Mm -hmm. That's where it happens. And so if you don't, if they come to the office and it doesn't look good, your value is less. They don't care about the unit. It's happening there. If you go to the site and it's not good, the value is less. If you don't have good pictures, the value is less. Keep up on that routine maintenance stuff. Now, for the bigger stuff, we also have a problem in storage facilities that some of it may not be big enough to where you want to use, store, use your insurance. The cost of that, you may go, 
I'm going to pay it out of pocket because I don't want my insurance to double on me. That, that costs actually way more. So make sure you guys that when you're looking at those claims, you don't just submit something to insurance and all of a sudden what was a $2,000 job just increased your insurance by 400 bucks a month. And you're like, that's $4,000 a year now that I have to pay. I, this is crazy. I should have never done that, right? So we look at the metrics on when we should pay out for maintenance ourselves, when insurance needs to. Always charge the tenants insurance. Mm -hmm. Always, 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 always. This is so important. I see people that have a tenant that broke something and they submit it to their insurance. And I'm like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. They don't even have to pay for it now. And that's gonna hurt you forever. Get the tenant's insurance. Get the tenant's insurance, everybody. But these things are just day to day on storage facilities. The bigger you guys go, the different types of units you have will increase it. We have semis that go through some of our facilities every day. Semis tear up your asphalt. I mean, if you have semis that are using your facility, you will be resealing probably every year. Yeah, you're gonna have all kinds of stuff that you're gonna have because to Because those with. things turn, those wheels turn and they just rip it up. And if it's in the summer months, when that asphalt is hot, those tires turn and just like rip it right out of the ground. So you understand the utilization of the asset and then you also can plan out maintenance and figure it out. For sure. Really, really big important thing to be looking at because you don't want to get in a point where if you've got investors, you're giving distributions, something happens like a gate needs fixed or something like that. And you don't have reserves to it, do it. And that's not okay with your customers. You got to have a gate. That was a promise you made. What do you, now you have to call up investors. I need $30,000. Yep. Well, and like you're talking about, the reserves are really key, especially when you're doing the due diligence and you're getting your property condition reports. They put schedules in there and say, hey, based on the age of this roof or based on the age of that HVAC yes. system, there's 10 years of expected life here. However, I mean, you need to get professionals out to look at those things yes. and actually really tell you what they believe the expected life is of those assets of the facility, those components. And get a couple to so where you can see. Yeah, exactly. To where you can say, all right, there's five years left. I'm gonna set aside X amount per month. And then so in five years, I can replace that piece of equipment. Bingo. Um, so all good, I mean, uh, we can dive into the core stuff, but I think we should save that for our next episode. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's gonna More be on the, the next end. one. Um, so uh, yeah, for that, everybody, we will be jumping into the um, behind the scenes, the business of self-storage, but I hope this was an in-depth, valuable episode for you guys. Yes, no, it was awesome. Really great to be able to dive into some of this stuff and share the day-to-day -day ongoing stuff. Again, uh, it's amazing that uh, we've spent close to an hour talking about a passive uh, real estate yeah, investment. exactly. Here. That's how it works. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Hey, everybody. Connor and I work really hard to try to bring the best podcast in self-storage that we can. We ask a lot of guests. We do a lot of research and a lot of work goes into it. If you could help us out by leaving a review, it's so easy. You just go down on whatever device, Spotify, Apple, whatever you're using, leave a great review. It really helps us out. Thanks, everybody.